Hi, this is Sean. I'm Liv. And welcome to Case Close? Question mark? Hey guys. What's up, everybody? How have y'all been? We're not on a schedule anymore. Yeah. Not even a little. <laughs> Sorry. So I'm not even going to pretend like I'm, we're going to get back on schedule because yeah. there's no schedule. I'm pregnant and tired all the time. So you get yeah. one when you get one, you're welcome. Some days, <laughs> some some weeks you'll get two, some weeks you'll get one. I apologize in advance, but yeah, I mean. Work's been crazy for both of yes, us. Yes, yeah, a lot going on uh, for me, holidays. especially at the end of the year. Mm -hmm. um, so I promise you guys that we will get episodes out. Yeah. Just don't expect them on a You'll time. get one a week. Yeah, for sure. Like, we're going to make sure that, you know... We will get on a better schedule. Probably yeah. beginning of the year. Once for we sure. We get yeah. a little bit more... We're still new to this, too. Yeah. So. Oh, yeah, definitely. We're still You're new. You're less new than me. But. Yeah, but, I mean, from the perspective of, like, us two working together, it's still a new... And our schedules are a little different, too. Yeah. So that kind of makes it a little more difficult for us to decide so when to schedule. Yeah, exactly. And plus, by the time I usually get home, she's usually Almost already asleep. been tired for like five hours. Yeah. So, um, but... Well, you don't get home until 10.30 or 11. Right, so... exactly. So by the time I get home, it's time for you to basically go to sleep. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, or for us to eat and go to sleep. So, no. uh, But yeah, we promise you that once a week at least, and hopefully twice a week when we have some bigger cases. Um, and... I know that we earlier on in the in the um, the shows talked about you know faith and wanting to update on that. We've just been really busy, and uh, but it is still something we're gonna do. But that. it is still something we are gonna work on. I promise you that. Um, we've just as we told you last week with you know being pregnant and all that. It is a lot going on and a lot of things that kind of take precedent over what yeah. we're doing here. Um, but I it hasn't changed how we feel about that case right. and what we want to do so uh stay tuned on that um but tonight we are continuing another of the holiday season murders and then this one you will hear 99 percent from my lovely wife because um i i know just a little bit of it we listen to a podcast um that she loves and that I talked about morbid. yeah morbid podcasts um they talked about this case there so yeah. Uh, we wanted to kind and of... And I found one other podcast, too, that mentioned it. And right. I should, oh, I should have looked up their name again, but... So we wanted to do a little smaller case to, uh, just keep you guys, uh, interested in the, in the holiday season murders, and then we will get to... A big... Um, a big one. Yeah. Like, like a Moby Dick, like, <laughs> size case. Yeah. So, um, so be prepared for that in the next two weeks. So, without yeah. any further ado... Also, sorry, I'm super sniffly. I have a cold. It is yes. not COVID. Yeah, we promise My you. lovely friend and her daughter decided to pass along their cold to me. Yeah. Um, and I'm pregnant, so my sinuses are huge, so... Right, exactly. I'm just sniffly. And I'm sure that's so great to listen to, and I apologize. Between that and my ums... Uh, it'll be fine. They'll, 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 be they'll fine. forgive us. But tonight you won't hear as many of my ums because you I'm will be hearing... To, I'm going to get better about including you. It's really hard because I get on my soapbox. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, listen to me talk. Oh, it's all right. I love listening to you ramble on about things, especially when it's cases that you love. 
as much as, you know, cases like this. I know, and, and I know that I bore you to sleep, and uh -huh. you're just being very nice. No, that's not true. But, without further ado. Alright, so let's get back in our time machine. Um, as Ash from Walmart likes to say, I'm going to quote them a lot in this episode because I've listened to them a lot in the past couple of days for research for this case and the case that we're going to do next. And so a lot of their sayings are coming from them. So if you guys ever hear us say it, please don't sue me. I'm giving you all the credit. It comes from you. Um, jumping in our time machine. And we are going back to Christmas Day 1929 uh, in Germantown, North Carolina. So home state for me yeah. i was surprised when you when you made this one uh like our case because when i started listening to more but i was like oh it's uh in our state yeah i was like that's interesting it's it's near chapel hill or it's like up in like i don't know I didn't it's somewhere it's somewhere in the northern part of the my state my dad's worked near there yeah but i couldn't tell you and i'm awful at geography yeah. so i especially with the state because there's so many names that like I, I feel like i remember hearing something about it being either near chapel hill or raleigh so it's somewhere in that sure. neck of the woods yeah i believe you i don't know <laughs> okay so we're gonna be talking about charles davis lawson who killed seven members of his family before committing suicide or I know committing suicide is a now a term that people don't like to use. So, um, I it's it's one of those things. You're like, if you guys get offended, let me know. But I that's what I've always heard it as, and it's yeah. hard for me to catch all of my. I feel like the thing is like with this case is that because of when it took place, all the reporting about it is, is going to be talking about committing instead of suicide. completing suicide, yeah. and that's the thing that like. I, I don't know the politically correct term for that yeah. for this case because I hate him. So I I don't care. I feel like <laughs> I feel like most people who listen to this are probably going to understand why the delicacy of certain things is uh, lost on me. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, I I, I will get into him in great detail, um, but why I hate him. I mean. You're going to find out. You will hate him with me, and yeah. I don't think you're going to care. But I, I do – I am trying to catch myself with some things that I know are not necessary. I know I'm scratching, and I'm sorry. I have eczema, guys, and I'm scratching the crap out of yeah, myself. <laughs> okay, but anyway, so he killed seven of his family members before trying to get on himself. Seven, you may ask. Yep, because birth control wasn't a thing back then. The Lawsons together had eight children, but one of them, which is the third oldest child, his name was William. He didn't survive childhood and died at age six in 1920. So they had um, seven family members at this point. So it was yeah. him, the wife, and six kids. Um, they had seven kids. Be fruitful and multiply is like definitely what this family right. was thinking. There was only one survivor. It was the oldest son. So, the Lawsons were a working class family. They were no means rich at all. They weren't eating dirt, as Ash said in her episode. Poor, like they were, they were scraping by. Um, they had just bought, in 1927, the infamous Brook Cove um, Road Farm. And it was, I believe, 200 acres of land. This mm. was a huge farm. Um, and it was near Charles's brother. So... Every, keeping it close in the family, right, was getting um, getting better, I guess, to say, with their financial situation. Right, yeah. Two weeks before the murders, Charles took his family into town to buy new clothes and have their portrait taken. This is the only photo of this family. 
and it is extremely haunting. Yeah, when 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 I listened to Morbid's episode about this and they got to that point, I was like, "That's really freaking creepy." Just the whole aspect of him bringing them into town. It's been planned for so long. Right. Yeah. And like, so like two weeks, the premeditation is there. Yeah. He is getting them ready for, you know. Right. He's, he's getting them ready for the slaughter. Right. And I'm going to kind of explain to y'all exactly how they're positioned. Because uh, remember in this time period, things are very traditional. If you look at any family portrait, you can kind of assume mom and dad are together. The oldest kids are typically on the outside with the youngest kids surrounding. Yeah. For, especially for, you know, this time period, that was very, very common. But pretty much in all family pictures, mom and dad are in the middle. Right. However, in their family portrait, that is not the case. You have the oldest son on the very far end, the oldest girl, then Charles, then the mom holding a baby, and below them are their four smaller children. Right. Um, and I, I will name them, just not right yeah. this minute. And we'll but, put this photo in with the episode, obviously. Yeah, absolutely. So that you can see for yourselves how interesting this is. Yeah, and I'm going to come back to it, but yeah. just... This photo is from the from the start, you know, from the whole day. Like I said, they're not rich. So to go in, have the whole family go pick out new outfits and go get new clothes. Right. First of all, it's expensive now. Um, yeah, but um, back then, um, that would have been pretty much unfeasible and unheard of. You don't just go into town to buy new clothes, right? So, um, I will get back to the the kind of backstory of Charles after we talk about what happened on that fateful day. So Charles, who was 43 at the time, his oldest son, Arthur, who was 16 and Charles's brother, Marion, along with, um, Arthur's cousin, who's around his same age, were all hunting the rabbit hunting the morning um, of Christmas, which is very common. That's pretty much how they got their food is I think hunted. They right. didn't really, they weren't grocery stores the same way they are now. Um, so that's very typical. They ran out of ammo, so Charles sent Arthur away and into town to go get more ammo. Marion and the cousin, I believe the cousin was with Arthur. There's kind of like conflicting, I I don't really know if the cousin was with him. I think he was. I think they went off to town together. Right. Um, I'm just going to call him Uncle. Uncle goes home. Um, And here's an interesting fact that they didn't mention in the Morbid episode I had you listen to. Mm. Other children were in this house, outside of the children, outside of the Boston children. Really? So there were, and um, in the book uh, "White Christmas, Bloody Christmas," she talks about different eyewitness accounts. I believe that there were three other children in the house, but that's very like hearsay kind of. There is one for sure eyewitness account of a little boy who said, or even a little boy when he gave the eyewitness account, um, he was in his like eighties. He says there was, like, three kids in the house. I'm sure there was kids running around this farm um, right. just because it was Christmas Day. They're very close to their uncle, and everybody, you know, it's just a fun day, right? So, Arthur goes into town. Bye-bye, Arthur. Charles goes back onto the farm, I guess, from the woods or wherever they were hunting. It was not very far away. He goes and waits in their tobacco farm, which North Carolina is known for their tobacco farms. This right. is not anything that was going to be the most profitable for him. Yeah. Was to go into the, the, um, the tobacco business. He waited for his daughters, Carrie, who was 12, and Maybelle, who was 7, to run off to their uncle's house. 
this is where it, these reports of this time period make it so hard to kind of retell the story because it's not consistent. Yeah. So I'm going to tell you how, like, White Christmas, Bloody Christmas says, because I kind of trust her investigation better than some of the other accounts because she, her dad went to the house. She, he knew the family. They did so much research into this case. I'm going to give her the benefit of the doubt and Mm -hmm. get a lot of information from her. But I do want to say, I I don't think anybody will know for sure. Right. 100%. She says that too. So, but I just, I feel like her investigative work was really on point for this era. But anyways, so he shot one of the girls with a shotgun and the other one with a rifle. He then bludgeoned them and made sh- to make sure that they were dead. He drug them into the barn and laid their heads on rocks. Um, again, the, the other side of the story is he might have um, laid their head on rocks and, the, and then rocks on their eyes. I don't... It's in every other source about right. the rocks on the eyes. I think that was something that... People said to kind of make the thing more dramatic. And they talked about almost like in a way it was his way of kind of hiding the disgrace of like almost like he didn't want them to see what he was doing. Yeah. Even though it already had been done. Yeah. So I don't know. Um, It could have happened. I don't think he would have had time. Right. Um, He did cross their arms as if they were already in a casket. So that does make sense if, you know, but I don't think he would have had time because you think that's now three rocks for each one of his family members. Right. Unless so he had those rocks, like, pre-set out. Did. I don't think he did. I, yeah. I really don't think he did. So, then he goes back to the house where he shot, where he shoots his wife, Fanny, who was 37 at the time, as she was walking onto the porch of their home. Some say that she was already on the porch. Either way, she ends up being dragged. And the eyewitness account from that book does say she was alive at this point. Our initial report says she was, she was killed on impact. She was mm-hmm. not. She did survive the initial blast and then... She did pass away before anybody else got there. Marie, who was the oldest girl, she was 17. She had been making a Christmas raisin cake, which sounds so delicious. (laughs) Um, (laughs) um, She screamed and attempted to grab the fire poker near the fireplace in the front of the house. So she was reached over kind of... um, kind of already bending to like grab it and hit her dad with it mm-hmm. when he shot her in the back with the it says the shotgun it could have been the rifle they, his shotgun had a history of like locking up pretty much it couldn't reshoot very well so wow. we think it could have been a mix of both because he had both of them in case the shotgun didn't work so either way this is when the clock stopped working and this I'll get back to it Um, But she, like I said, she was near the fireplace. He shot her in the back. She fell straight into the mantle, which broke her teeth, broke her neck, and broke her wrist. Um, So a mixture of all of that kind of killed her instantly. Um, Because these accounts are coming from people who were within the house when this happened. Like I said, the little kids that were running around. Um, They just don't get a whole lot of credit for having been there because at this time it wasn't a big deal. You know, this is... We'll get into that in a minute. Okay, so, um, the, so the clock stopped. Um, then the two younger boys, James, who was four, and Raymond, who was two, had seen this happen, and they both attempted to hide from their father. But he found them, and some say, some sources say that he shot them and then bludgeoned them. Some say that he just bludgeoned the boys. Um, 
either way, they, they were both killed by their father. And then, this is the saddest one, especially because I'm pregnant. Um, anytime, but like right now, I just cannot right, even imagine. Yeah. He then came up to the crib with the youngest, who was not even four months old yet, and bludgeoned the baby to death. Yeah. Um, her name was Mary Lou. And her cause of death was a skull fracture. Charles was seen in the house by those people who were running around to get help and, like, the, those kids who were trying to go get back to their parents in the windows. And this is where you get back to, was it a pillow, was it a rock? I do believe the girls in the barn had a rock under their head. Then the, the ones in the house may have had a pillow mm-hmm. under their heads, and he did cross all their arms as if they were already in caskets. He then leaves um, and goes into the woods. It's a very snowy day. Yeah. Um, takes his two dogs and spends three to four hours out there just pacing. And right. he paced around so much that the investigators said that he had been pacing the entire time. The path in the snow was so deep right. that he really didn't go anywhere else. He just kept going in circles around this tree. He then took his own life. And in his pocket were the two unfinished notes that said, Trouble to cause... And the other one said, nobody to blame. Some people believe that this was meant for his parents. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of as like a resolute, like a, this is what's happened and this is why I did it kind of thing. Right. We'll never know. Um, yeah. You know, Ash made a good point in her episode, in their episode is like, did he have a pencil on him? We don't know. Like this, this is a very, we, we see this in investigations from this time period and before right. it's very hard to get those details they don't, like they said in the episode there's there's not records kept back then right that are as detailed as what we have nowadays right so you're going to come into a, a lot, lot of, of hearsay exactly a lot of things that oh, this is what he said this is what he said but right. you're never really going to get 100 percent of the truth right so within a week mm-hmm. this is where people start to kind of question things a little bit more but within a week the uncle Mary turned the house into a museum I don't see this as that weird because first of all at the time this even though it was a crime scene it didn't mean the same to them as it does now this was horrific and awful and people didn't know anything like it but it was contained it wasn't a serial killer on the loose it wasn't Something like that. Also, he didn't have the money to keep the farm going. So, yeah, I didn't see this as super weird that he opened it up as a museum a week later because he couldn't afford to keep the farm going. And he's now in charge of it. Right. So, you might as well find a way to do something that's going to bring people in there. Right. And like I said, Arthur survived. Yeah. The oldest son. So, he was, what, 16 at the time? Yes, 16 at the time. How is he going to manage this? Right. You know, I know that 16, 17 at the time was an adult, but yeah. it's not that, I think the uncle also realized, like, what are they going to do? And people were coming in and stealing things already because we all know it's no different than today in, like, morbid podcasts and creepy right. true crime things. Like, we're, we have an attraction to those things we always have as humans for some reason. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's really weird and I can't, nobody can really explain it, but right. they definitely did. But back then, they just would go take things. People had, like, would take 
um, pieces of paper to go soak in blood and then keep the paper, or they would go and take it pieces of wood that had the blood in it and take it home and they put it in a mason jar and they were super happy about it. Yeah. Um, and they didn't preserve crime scenes the way that they do now. So it did become a big tourist attraction and it made the family money and, you know, they didn't have to be there every day having to deal with it. You know, they could kind of just assume that things were going to be okay because now they're having to charge you know, entry for it. They probably had somebody out there doing that. Right. Less people are stealing things and more so like they're paying the entry so they can get in. Um, one thing that did stay was the raisin cake because she had made it super pretty with raisins on top. People were stealing raisins with her <laughs> blood on it. And Marie made this cake, okay? So Marie, the 17-year-old, she was making the cake. People would take the raisins and put it yeah. in a mason jar. I thought, that was, I thought that was really interesting. Yeah, they would they would do that. So they they eventually encased it in glass. Um, and about six years after the murders, it was buried. Because what yeah, else do you do with it? <laughs> I thought it was interesting, though, that they buried it. Like, why not just, like, well, I mean, do something else it with it? It had her blood on it. So they probably did it as a, like, putting her rest. Yeah, you know, that's true. Ending this scenario. And now nobody else can get a hold of it. Like, right. it's now done. And yeah. I don't... What else are you going to do with it? It's encased in glass at this point. So you're just going to break the glass and then have to deal with a moldy cake? I mean, right. <laughs> bury it, get rid of it. Yeah. Um, so later, you know, this the house was demolished. They did put up something else in its place um, at this point. I, I'm not 100% sure what's there right now. Um, but we're going to get into a little bit about some of the theories, but first I kind of want to tell you about their grave, and they're all buried in a mass grave, um, including Charles, which, wow. Um, right. All buried in a mass grave, and you haven't read the, you haven't heard the inscription yet, have you? Like, I haven't, no. This is, uh, this is new to me. Okay, okay. So the inscription on the tombstone reads, not now. But in the coming years, it will be a better land. We will read the meaning of our tears, and then sometime we'll understand. The lady who wrote White Christmas, Bloody Christmas put it perfectly. It sounds like a prophecy. Yeah. Right? Where did that come from? Like, what was that? Like, there's no explanation as there's to no what that was? There's no explanation, and nobody can find out why. It's so weird. Um, and... You know, Arthur was the only one alive, so did he do it? Did you know you don't really know because obviously Charles didn't do that, you right. know. Um but let's I'm gonna start telling you some more details about what led up to it, okay? Yeah. So a a couple of months before the murders Charles had sustained a head injury that the family members claimed that altered his behavior. He was using the axe to probably chop wood on the I don't know what he with the axe, okay? He bonked himself in the head. Yeah. That was a very substantial injury. Yeah. And after he died, they did send his brain off to Johns Hopkins, who yeah. said that there were no abnormalities. But more sources say that his brain was smaller than a typical brain at yeah. that time, which, okay, like, it does shrink after 
depth, so by the time it got transported somewhere else, it's kind of hard to, like... Yeah, exactly. That's hard to judge, especially for the time. But they did say a part of his brain was small... A specific part of his brain was smaller than average and had abnormalities in it. We know from, like, a psychological standpoint that any damage to the frontal lobe of your brain causes abnormalities in um, emotions and, you know temperament and you know this is what we see a lot of consistency in within serial killers murders you know there's something wrong with their frontal lobe that controls all of the things that kind of keep you sane yeah in a a nice way so um i tend to believe that that probably had something to do with it i'm sure he had other issues on top of it because we find out later Marie, who was 17 at the time, had confided in her friend, LMA, that she was pregnant with her father's child. Yeah. So. Which, when they told, when they said that, yeah, it was definitely, like, crazy, but it's not super shocking for that no. that time frame, that time period. Oh, no, it was. Incest was not a cool thing at all. Really? I feel like. Yeah. No, incest was not cool. No, 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 no. Okay. Well. And and the other podcast I listened to, where she's ta- where the late where the author was talking about it, she specifically mentioned that one of the family members had come forward to her, but she did not name them because she mm. didn't want them to get backlash from the Lawson family and the, you know the different surnames that come from an extended right. family. But there was a meeting held Christmas night after the murders of the family members, specifically the adults, but she happened to listen in as, like, a little curious teenager. Right. Um, and the, they, the family decided they would never mention the incest hmm. because it brought so much disgrace to the family. And I, I, this didn't come out until six years later. Right. 70 years later so it was a very well-kept secret mm-hmm. and i choose to believe it's real i mean I, you gotta look at his behavior and right. then talk about arthur so he yeah he sent arthur away and one of the things that you mentioned too is like saving the name yeah that was the first thing that came to my head was when they said that for some reason they he sent arthur away in my head i went well he's the oldest and you know he's there's got to be somebody that keeps the name going well, turns out Charles and Arthur have been button heads a lot lately. Hmm. So, my theory is that Arthur found out that his sister was pregnant mm-hmm. and confronted his dad, which turned into an issue. Right. And I think that's kind of what set the cycle of events to this is that she found out she's pregnant. Either he overhears her saying it to LMA or. You know, she tells him or something, he finds out, or he just knows something's wrong. Right. He confronts his dad, they start butting heads, and now Charles is going manic, and mm-hmm. he doesn't know what to do. Now we go back to the picture. You know, it's the oldest, Arthur, and then Marie, and then Charles, and then Franny. So, they're not in their traditional places. Marie's eyes in this picture... You know something is wrong. Yeah. And the mom looks not very happy either. And Charles is just happy-go-lucky over there. I bought his, you know, 
by himself, kind of. Like, he just seems, he seems fine. Right, yeah. But Marie seems to have this feeling of, like, this is wrong. This right. is not okay. And she would typically be on the other side of her father in a traditional photo or maybe down with the children or sitting. Um, this whole scenario is real odd. Yeah. Um, it doesn't look normal. So, yeah, and I think that when the clock stopped to, you know, it's so interesting that the clock stopped. The inscription on tombstone sounds like a prophecy. Mm-hmm. In a in a different life, I would like to think that, like, I don't know. I don't know what I would like to think. I, I think it sounds very witchcrafty almost. Like, I don't mm-hmm. need to say that, but, like, I don't know. The It's so movie-esque mm-hmm. and so, like, ready for the sequel, you know? Yeah. Um, I don't know. I, I don't know how I feel about it, and I don't know how I feel about this whole situation, and especially sending, like, Arthur off, yeah. which Arthur later died at the age of 31 or 32. That's kind of inconclusive. He did have children of his own, though, um, yeah. and he was married, but he got uh, killed in an automobile accident. Yeah. But what do you think? What do you think happened? I mean, for me, I think the idea of the incest makes sense. I mean, it's, it's, and like, let me rephrase what I meant by back then. Like, not that it was common. It's just that I feel like it was something that happened, Mm -hmm. but obviously it wasn't like, not, nobody's going to celebrate that. I just think that that's something that back then, especially in rural areas, What's that? It was like you didn't yeah, talk exactly. About it. You didn't talk about it, but it, it happened, mm-hmm. and so I think that the idea of the incest was very, very like plausible. Mm-hmm. I think the only thing that I have issue with is that if him and Arthur had butted heads, why didn't he just kill Arthur? I think he knew if he didn't send Arthur away, Arthur would have stopped him. I guess that's, and that is one thing that they made a point of, but at the same time, could have just as easily killed Arthur in his sleep. Yeah, but I don't know how he would have got away with it, because you got to remember it's Christmas Day, this is when yeah. he chose to do this. Right. He knew that there were, there were other kids in the house. Right. It was a, but it was still a very planned out mm-hmm. action. Well, I think he knew all around he wasn't going to get away with it ever. You know, well, he I think he always intended to commit or complete suicide. Right. Murder. So, so that in in his own mind, it was always going to end with him killing himself. Right. Um, but I think there could have been other ways that he had done it that would have justified him and Arthur butting heads about that specifically. Well, then how about this? What if Arthur found out that day? That's possible. I mean, yeah, maybe. And it turned into a. And then dad goes, How dare you say that about me? Go on with your cousin, get more ammo, and throws the, you know, makes it look like you're crazy, move on. Right. That's very And then he snapped and said, Okay, well, this is what I'm going to do. He was planning on doing it anyway. Maybe he was planning on committing suicide anyway. And then he just decided to take his whole family with him. And then he was like, Screw it. Like, Arthur can just stay. Yeah. And it's not worth the fight. And it's not worth dealing with him because if he's here then the cousin's here and then my uncle's here and like the whole thing turns into like there's more people here so i don't know i think it could be i wonder what arthur knew because he they said 
um, that his children tried to ask him about it. They would never mention it. Yeah, and, that, he, and he would just shut it down. I mean, I don't blame him. I yeah, I mean, that's definitely not something you want to talk about with your family. Um, obviously, they know that it's a part of the family's history. Right. Um, but at the same time, I don't think you want to sit there and explain to your children why your grandparents and their aunts and uncles are not alive. Right. You know, so it's it's definitely something you don't want to talk about. Um, I think also there's a lot of stock in the whole idea of that head injury causing some things. Um, we see it a lot. Even in modern day, when head yeah. injuries cause people to have a change of mannerisms, mm-hmm. um, they talked about how he was pretty short tempered to begin with, right. and that after the injury, his it was it was, it was even worse. Yeah. So I, I definitely think there's more stock in the head injury causing mm-hmm. some issues. Um, obviously, Johns Hopkins is one of the most premier places right. in the Which country, makes me but at the same time. Like- yeah. yeah, and I wonder if they even ever said that, if that was just something they've told reporters or that the family right. pushed out. Because when she was writing the book, uh, White Christmas, Play Christmas, she got death threats from the family, from people who were supporters of right. this. And, you know, people really rallied around, he's not who you think he is, you know, this was just a freak accident, like this is whatever. Right. And you didn't talk about it. Yeah. And I, I could say this from living here my whole life in North Carolina likes to hide and protect their own. Yeah. Uh, so I feel like in general, most families are going to be that way. But yeah, definitely down here, it's, it's more so of a... different. Yeah, it's definitely your, your own blood's going to be more... You're, you're going to protect that more than sometimes legally... Oh, yeah. Like, acceptable. Oh, yeah. Um, but I definitely think there's, there's more stock in that. Um, does that make somebody a murderer? No. I mean, I could get hit in the head and a thousand times. You know, there's NFL we players. You're so kind. I don't think right. you have that that temperament anyway. But there are people who do have that temperament right. and get hit, and that's yeah. the end of it. Yeah. You know? Like there's players that get hit all the time playing sports, and you don't see They're, them. Right. You know. Right. But in the on the other side, there are a lot of connections nowadays. We talk about this, and especially I didn't think I would bring this up. This is crazy connection that I just thought of in my head. <laughs> Talk about CTE. Right. Um, you know, that's one of the biggest hot button topics of this last decade in mm-hmm. terms of um, sports injuries and like hits to the head. Right. How multiple hits to the head or or um, a really aggressive hit to the head can cause you to can completely change the way right. you think. Right. And leads to guys, you know, ending up killing themselves. Yeah. I mean, yeah. there's NFL players who have committed suicide and... Going back, they talk about in their either their letter or in right. memoirs that they had wrote how, they how after them getting done playing and all the hits they took, their mind changed. Right. So it definitely is something that needs to be looked at as more of a possibility. Yeah. Um, but that didn't turn them into murderers. Right. Um, I guess it just I think that that has to be something that is planted before. I also have three other theories. That okay. I'll briefly touch on, and I'll just see how you feel about them, because I'm kind of, some of them I'm kind of thinking of now that we're talking, and mm-hmm. then the other ones kind of have been mentioned before. So the ones that have been mentioned before, like, we do know that Charles was in a lot of money situations, and mm-hmm. that he didn't have the money that he was pretending to have. So some people believe that it wasn't even him who killed the whole family, that it was somebody else, and that he walked off on it when 
Charles left to go get ammo. He walked up on the family, saw the gruesome scene, goes out into the woods, and which is why he paced for it as long as he did, and then committed suicide. Hmm. It's an interesting theory. I don't see that being plausible because, again, there's other people there. People, you know, when you look at news clippings right. from this time, they, they never really mention these other kids, but there were kids there. There were plenty. It wasn't just one kid who was like, oh, I was over there in the bushes. These were people who did come forward when she was writing the book or forward in other aspects that she was able to find and different police people, you know, I say police people, but police investigators, but they really investigators I'm not yeah. very loosely in the scenario, you know, that, that, we, that did say that this happened, that there were other people there. So, for them to say, no, it was Charles. <laughs> yeah. Um, unless it was somebody else that they knew and they were just like, oh, she was Charles, right. like, just let it be that. I don't know. I mean, it could be. We see that, we see cover-ups all the time and stuff mm-hmm. like that, but, which would explain why Arthur, why Arthur survived right. is if he walked up on it, but I don't know that that's 100% plausible because, yeah. There were people there. He had an alibi until that morning, until they left from hunting. And from, you know, people were on the scene so quickly, especially for that time. Um, Arthur was notified while he was still in town getting ammo. Yeah, that was crazy. And came back to find, he found his dad's body. Yeah. So, because the dogs led him to him, and he was with them when they found the body. So, you know, and they said he was pacing for three to four hours. But that's still quick for back then. We see, you know, what was it? The the children who got taken in the middle of the night from the fire. I can't think of their name. Um, oh, the Daniels? No. Oh, oh, you're talking about... Um, oh, it's going to bother me because I know this case back and forth. But the, um, it was the Italian family that had some kids that went missing hmm. the night of a fire near Christmas. And... Um, Anyway. I can't, yeah, I can't remember. And the, the kids were never found. The bodies were never found. Huh. And they said that they burned up in the fire. But the, the, in that case, uh, it, it's going to bother me. I'm going to think of it and add it in the end, probably. But um, <laughs> they, the firemen didn't show up all night long. The house burned to the ground before firemen show up. Because at this time, like, if you might have had three people on the whole force. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, police work was a little bit different because everybody was, not everybody was a policeman, but, like, everybody stuck their nose in their business and they were all investigating and they were all doing the things. So, different than firemen, you right. know, they... All those just forms of communication, too. Yeah. Like, not everybody just... had phones in their house. Right. And, you know, right. It was, a... it was a lot more about word of mouth than it was right. about actually going directly to the source right. of which where... makes me 100% believe there were other kids there. Because right. if it was just them on the farm, nobody would thought anything about it. Because... Right. Yeah, was... you probably would have been more likely to find the bodies days later. Right, or when Arthur went home. Right. So, yeah, I definitely think there were other people there, which makes me want to disprove the whole, right. it was the mafia. I, I, I don't think that many people would have been able to yeah. corroborate that for so long. Um, yeah. But another theory is that Marie was never pregnant, mm-hmm. and that she may have said that to LMA, or just to kind of put it in somebody's brain, like, there's something wrong. Mm-hmm. Um I half believe it, right. and the reason I half believe it is we see with like the um, Chris Watson case. You know, she was pregnant. You do give birth if you right. die while pregnant. 
she could have been very early along and yeah. that not have happened. Or they never reported it, and they might not have known what happened. You know, I don't know. Um, I don't know. Because nobody's yeah. been able to prove that she was ever pregnant. So I struggle with it a little bit from, like, the medical standpoint of, like, she should have, you know, the baby shouldn't have survived and she should have given birth to the baby. Right. Um, I, so I, I don't know. The other theory, too, is that maybe Arthur was the one who slept with Marie. And Dad found out about it, and then snapped. Interesting. And I feel like I would fly. I would find that flying that. Flying that. <laughs> um, I would find that a little more plausible than the father. Really? Um, like that happens, yeah, of course. Mm-hmm. But I feel like the idea of that happening could have been a little more understandable. Um, but it still doesn't then kind of make it doesn't make sense why he would. Spare the son. I don't think he did. I don't know that he intentionally spared Arthur. Mm-hmm. I think what would make that idea plausible is that Arthur said, and you can't stop me, and he leaves with the cousin. Right. And when he left with the cousin, what's he going to do? And then yeah. Charles, already having the brain injury, goes, that's it. My family's ruined. We're going. We're all going to hell. And yeah. starts killing them off. It's possible, yeah. But I don't know. You know, I I don't know that she was pregnant at all. She mm-hmm. may or may not have been. There, I incest makes sense to me because I feel like something else had to happen. Yeah. To make him like the the it, something changed. Um, I know that's not true of all cases of like he's not really a serial killer because it's a family murder. Um, right. So. A mass murder is more. Yeah, what mass considered. murder is definitely the way you would put this one. Not serial killer, right? But, but you know, we, you know, but typically there's something that makes a person snap, whether whether it's insignificant or not. It's it, it's there's usually one specific moment you can go back to in and any sort of serial killer it. or mass murders that this is what caused them to finally snap. Right, and if it was a couple of months that he had had this brain injury, it didn't just happen overnight. Right, yeah, like, it, it happens, and then it festers, and it gets worse. And it was planned, the whole picture thing. Right. I, I don't know, I struggle with this case, because I feel like it can go so many different ways, because could the picture be a red herring? Sure. Yeah. But, I don't know why it would be, because it didn't make sense for the time for him to spend that much money on clothes for a portrait, a lot of people didn't have portraits of, their, of themselves. That was, you know, you typically had to be pretty rich to have your portrait taken. That wasn't something that everybody had. Or, you know, and especially of children, this is one thing that, like, it, it's always kind of struck me as odd, is mm. that if you look at children's portraits from this time period, they're typically deceased when they would take pictures yeah, of that, them. Yeah, those photos are creepy. They are creepy. Um, I am aware that they are now deceased because, you know, this was almost, this is 90 years ago, but, you know. Yes. I get that. But, but in those photos, they were deceased. Right. So, you know, typically you don't see a whole lot of family portraits, including children, right. at this time. I mean, 1929, I mean, I guess we're getting closer to the time where you can take pictures with kids, but yeah. you, you didn't... It wasn't common. Not everybody had their portrait taken. Everybody has a selfie on their phone right now. Take, you know, right. it's not it's not a big deal now. But back then, 
you know, you'd be lucky to probably find one or two families in the whole town that had a fortune for themselves. Right. And typically they were the merchants or they're, you know, somebody with more money than just the farmer. Yeah. So I, I don't know why he would have done that without planning something else. Mm. And that couldn't have been the Christmas present for them because it looks like they're all very angry. Yeah, for <laughs> sure. Yeah, there's definitely like, there's definitely not a, a happy person. Not a single happy person in this photo. Right. Including him. Yeah, he doesn't look happy, but he doesn't look stressed out either. No. Marie looks the most stressed out. Right. She looks like, get me the heck out of here. Um, she looks very... She... They mentioned this too in, in Morbid that she is the one who looks the most put together. She looks picturesque of a flapper. She's got the perfect finger yeah. waves. <laughs> She's got the perfect later like flapper outfit and her brother looks really well too yeah the rest of the family while they do have new outfits they don't look anything special right you know the mom didn't really dress for the time she still looks like the farm lady yeah the other kids just kind of are there you know they're, yeah. they're just chilling and I, so i i don't know i struggle with it because marie a hundred percent knew something was going to happen was it because she was sexually assaulted by her father? Maybe. Was it by her brother? Maybe. Which, maybe she was pregnant with somebody else's kid. You know? I don't know. Maybe she was never pregnant at all. Yeah. Or maybe she thought she was pregnant and that there was incest going on, but they didn't have pregnancy tests back then. Right. So she may not have been pregnant, but she may have thought she was yeah. due to something happening to her. Um, which I kind of find almost more believable just due to the lack of evidence of her actually having been pregnant. Yeah. And I feel like also they made a they but they also made a point that like back then women just knew better. They did. Than like not saying that women. Not, let me rephrase that. Women um, naturally knew it without having to. You know. Well, yeah. I mean, it was still guesswork. Yeah, but it just it was just one of those things. Like they just they knew they knew like what was they going knew. On. Yes, but I mean, a lot of them didn't really. I don't know. It, it's 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 hard because yes, I knew that they were pregnant, mm. but we found out three weeks, six days, and yeah. I knew something was weird. But I thought something was weird before that too. So like you know, I, I think with especially this time period, they didn't they did know better about their bodies and things like that. But on the medical side of it, if she had been a virgin, so to say, and then she something happened that was awful to right. her. Things change. Right. So, had she had been late, she may have thought she was pregnant. Yeah, exactly. Because why else would she be late, right? Mm -hmm. But that didn't necessarily mean that she was pregnant because, you know, typically they would wait a couple of days and be like, I'm a couple of days late or even a couple of weeks late. But that doesn't necessarily mean that you're pregnant. It just means that your body changed due to what happened. Right, exactly. Um, so, that's why I, I, I kind of quit. Plus, it's only LMA who says it. Right. So, there was, yeah, there wasn't any other evidence of it being a right. thing. Right. So I don't doubt, you know, Marie probably did say something, and I don't know that LMA would lie about it, but I I don't know that she was actually pregnant, just mm -hmm. because I feel like even at that time period, they would have known that, you know, when they lifted her body, that there were, that there was yeah. a, a child, you know. So I, unless she was just super, super, super early. Right. Um. Which could also be the possibility. I just, I, I struggle with that, I guess. It's just it's very hard to, like, prove. Yeah. And we'll never prove it now. So. Right. Yeah. 
it, it, it's it's a crazy case. It is. I mean, listening to it and, you know, when I listened to it on Morbid, I was definitely, uh, definitely interested and definitely uh, kind of really listening because it was, it just, it felt like, it definitely sounds like almost like a movie script. It does. It doesn't sound like something that happened in real life. I need life. a part two. I need to find out what happened. Yeah. But we'll never know. Yeah. Oh, yeah, because, like, like they said, like, the it, the story died with, with Arthur. Yeah. I mean, it... He's the only one who truly knew what right. was going on. Exactly. So, I mean, tell us what you guys think about this. If yeah. your theory, what you, if you agree with us or if you uh, disagree with us. Um, but it's definitely, definitely an interesting one for sure. Yeah. Um, I'd never heard of it before this. So it was. Uh, oh, it was kept so quiet. People didn't know about it every sixty years till she go. She went to write the book. Right. And that's what's so like mind-boggling, I guess, to me is that even for the time period of death, and I feel like the twenties and thirties, like death was very prominent in everybody's lives right. because Great Depression. Right. Um, like we just gotten out of a world war, and then the I Great mean, Depression hits, and we've talked about this in another episode. Death was different. Yeah. Back then, it wasn't, you know, they had already had a child die. That was very common, which is why they had big families, and which is why, you know, that... Right, yeah, you had more, you tried to have that many kids because you would hope that at least half of them would survive. And as morbid I mean, as that is, that was the that, truth. That's like, how it was. Like, having having ten kids made sense because about six of them would live. Right. Right, statistically, yeah, yeah. for sure. Um, and they lived with that, and they... Right. It definitely messes with your psyche, but I also, you know, you got to remember, too, that was so normal for that time and that time period that maybe that's why people reacted the way they did to it, where they were so eager to go grab the raisin with the blood on it and they would keep it. As interesting as it is and how much I would love to see that house. I couldn't imagine taking stuff no, like yeah, that. Yeah. I mean, I just, nowadays, that's called theft. You, <laughs> it was theft back then, you, too, you, but you they get, did it. And they you would, get in trouble for it nowadays. Well, yeah. they got in trouble for it then, but it was just, it was just different. Like, yeah. people, it, public executions were a thing, and yeah. they would hold fingers for it. So we even talked about that with the Lavinia Fisher case. Like, right. that, was, that was something that was super okay, which... Death is never okay, but they definitely treated it very differently. For sure. It so, was more common. Yeah, so I, I think that's why they were able to kind of push this case to the side and be like, this didn't happen in our little town, like, or to our family, and how dare you speak about it, and of course, there's nothing weird going on here, don't look at me, like, <laughs> and they got away with it for 60 years right. of not speaking about it, and then, you know. Yeah. Pretty cool, though. For sure. Yeah. So, if you guys have any more information, let me know. Yeah, let us know know. what you think. Uh, Send us any sort of uh, questions you have to our podcast.case.close at Gmail. And our Instagram at podcastcaseclosed. And then Facebook, uh, case closed. Question mark. Question mark in parentheses. Yep, if you can find it. If not, I understand. That one's really hard to find. It is. Uh, We've been trying to update it as we go along. Uh, for some reason, it will not let us uh, change our cover photos. So it's Adnan. So it's still Adnan. Uh, but uh, we'll figure that out and see what that error is. Um, but uh, check us out. Let us know what you think. Send any uh, any other holiday murders if you have any ones you want us to talk about. Um, yeah. 
I know that the next one that we are going to go over will definitely most likely end up being a two-parter. Uh, without a doubt. Um, so that'll take I up... didn't expect this to be a longish episode. Right, yeah. I was looking at it as we're recording, and I'm like, we're, like we're getting a good know. solid hour into this, yeah. hopefully. Um, I mean, by the time we edit it, it probably won't be an hour, but <laughs> it's all right. Um, but <laughs> it was... Um, the, the next one will most doubtedly be um, a uh, two-parter. Should we tell them what it is? Should we give them a little something? Uh, I mean... I don't want to, you know, get into too much pageantry, but oh, yeah. um, I think, you know, it would be a little bold of us to uh, to, to 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 go out on a limb yeah. and uh, and uh, talk about it. So, yeah. uh, but uh, I think uh, we put it out there. Um, you know, I don't want to hold anybody for ransom, but uh, I think you guys will really enjoy this. <laughs> Um, and you know, listen, you might have to wait several hours, uh, to find out about what this case is. Just don't but crawl through our windows, guys. Yeah. Yeah. For real. Um, to be honest with you, make sure you guys have your favorite snack nearby, maybe some chunks of pineapple and, uh, we will <laughs> see you guys next week. Bye. I was like, it, that was coming off the top of my I head. Know, By the way, that like, was so good. <laughs> I'm gonna stop recording. I'll go keep that in too. All information presented in this podcast will be cited in the show notes. Music for Case Close composed by Catastrophic Jones. Editing by Olivia McDonald. Case Close is produced by Sean and Olivia McDonald.